The base of my message is from the epistle reading. These words, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. I'd like to talk to you today about the human body. To you, what is the most amazing fact of the human body? When you think about your own body, the human body, what's the most amazing thing about it? And, human body, what's the most amazing feat that any human has done? You thinking about that? Well, let me help you out there. Let's go ahead and talk about the most amazing fact of the human body. You know the body can repair itself? Have a cut, it can heal itself? You have some sort of internal wound, it can help heal itself? Uh, the body's able to do that. If you injure your eye, over time it's able to heal itself. So the wonder of God's body is that it's able to heal itself. Also, the brain is more active sleeping than awake. Did you know that? Now some of you would say yes, because I know people, how they act when they're awake. So I can imagine the brain's more active when they're sleeping, okay? But it's true, our brain's more active when we're sleeping than awake. It's been said the human heart beats more than 3 billion times in our lifespan. Just imagine that. 3 billion heartbeats, all we get some more, some less. You know there's over 100,000 miles of blood vessels in your body? 100,000 miles of blood vessels in your body. You know how long it takes you to blink? One one-hundredth of a second. Wow, that's fast. Feats of the human body, how great the human body is. Now, what's the most amazing feat that any human has done? Let me go ahead and give you some. Felix Baumgartner skydived at 1,000 miles per hour. He actually was breaking the sound barrier while he was doing that. He was skydiving from a height of 31 kilometers, broke the sound barrier. William Pruitt ran, I'm sorry, biked 660 miles, ran 120 miles, and swam uh, 12 miles three consecutive days. Did three Ironman, full Ironman triathlons. I can't do that. Not even a car, okay? George Horn spun for 222 hours, what I mean by, by spinning on a bike. He spun for 222 hours, 22 minutes, and 22 seconds consecutively, the human body. Uh, John Hothram, this sounds really odd, he caught 33 50-pound mini balls from the cannon that got shot off. He caught 33 of them. Of course, he lost three fingers in the process, but he was able to do that, okay? Catching cannonballs. And finally, Phil Petit tightrope between the Twin Towers. You know, Twin Towers in New York, they opened. In August 1974, there's a movie on it called The Walk. These are amazing feats that a person has done with the body. And just think about how amazing our body is. So then Dr. Martin Luther says this in uh, his explanation of the first article of the Apostles' Creed. Can you read this with me? I believe... Still takes care of them. God has given us our body. And then in Scripture we hear that God made us male and female. He made us in his image. What does it mean he made us in his image? Well, we have, a, we have feelings, we have emotion, we have intellect, we have reason, we're, we're spiritual. Uh, we want to be in relationship with one another. And God called all that he made what? Good. So God made our bodies. He made them good. They can do wonderful things. I think the psalmist says it best. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. There are two errors that you and I are constantly, um, you and I are constantly dealing with in our modern society. The first one's naturalism. Now, what's naturalism? 
I'll give you the name that you know, probably much more familiar, evolution. And evolution teaches that you and I are nothing more than um, accidents of uh, mutations and natural selection, and our body just came here by chance and accident, and that's all we have. The only thing there is in naturalism or atheism is matter and stuff. The only thing that we have is our bodies. You have better take care of it, because when you're gone, you're gone. That's all we have is, is this naturalism. We have nature. We have stuff. And then the other air is Gnosticism. What's Gnosticism? Gnostic in the Greek means knowledge. They were religious people with secret knowledge, and they believe that the body's evil. And that the whole goal in life is that you have to have your soul, your spirit, spring from your body because your body's evil. And sometimes that leads people to believe that, well, we'll be angels in heaven because our body is evil. And you and I were constantly confronted with those two errors in modern American society. The one of naturalism that we just came from, from, from primates and, and our bodies an accident, and that's all we have is stuff. We better preserve the world we have because that's all we have. Or the error that the body is evil but the soul is good. However, Scripture tells us that God made us what body and soul, and he called it what? Good. That God made our body good, our amazing body, uh, with wonderful feet that can do wonderful things. Now, now St. Saint, Saint Paul says this to us. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and who is in you? And you have received from God? So uh, St. Paul reminds us that our body is a gift from God. For some of us, we get to use it longer. For others of us, we don't. Uh, our body is a gift from God. And then it says... You are not your own. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body because the temple resides there. Sometimes in modern American society, people say, this is my body. Well, actually, it's not. It's God's body. And one day, our body will return to the ground. The body belongs to God. And for us believers, Christ bought our body with his death and his resurrection. So our body is a gift. And um, I want to talk to you about Jesus' death and resur resurrection. Because not only did Jesus in his body take our sins, as God, he took all our sins, or all sin, but he also rose from the dead, and he gave us the blessing of transforming our body, uh, that, that our body will be resurrected new and glorious with, 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 with perfect bodies. Um, sometimes we just don't think about that. We, we fall into the Gnostic error. Well, you know, the body's evil, soul's going to spring, and everything's going to be fine. But Jesus came to transform our bodies, that on Judgment Day we will have new bodies. He died and rose for that. Um, in East Peoria, the city I lived before I came here, uh, there was a huge cemetery I drove by every day uh, called the Fond du Lac Cemetery. I was also in Kiwanis. In Kiwanis, we do like monthly field trips, and so we went to the new um, office building at the Fond du Lac Cemetery, and they were telling us about it. And they were in the process of taking all the, I know it sounds rather morbid, all the, the records of, of the the people buried in, in the various plots at the Fond du Lac Cemetery, they're taking the written records from really old books and they're digitized it all. I'm not sure how they do it. I'm not into computers and stuff. And then, and then I remember the secretary. The secretary used to work at the school where my wife worked. Um, the, the secretary said, we found the weirdest thing. And the thing was, when we were, we were, we were, we were um, trans, uh, transferring all the information, we found a number of caskets in which there's just like an, a leg or an arm or a foot or a hand, and we, we just can't understand what's going on. It makes no sense to us, but still, we were taking that information, I know it sounds mor morbid, and we're, we're transferring it to our computers. And, and after she got done talking, I came up to her and said, I know why you have burial plots with legs and arms and hands and feet. She said, you know why? I said, yes. Because in the 1830s and 1840s and 1850s, when, when all that was taking place, the vast majority of people were Christians and they believed in the resurrection of the dead. So if I lost a limb due to injury, 
or in a war or disease, people would bury their limbs and their hands and their arms, and they'd put it in the casket. Many times they'd have their body put in there after they died because out of respect for their what? Their body because God gave them their bodies. And so we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I know it sounds rather grotesque, but just think about how Christians honor the body that God gave to them. So when Genesis says God made all things good, Jesus, he rose from the dead, he's going to transform our body, that statement of faith. So we think about the body there. Now, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. I'm not going to talk to you about just the body. I'm going to talk to you about the body and flesh. And so Jesus went, met with Nicodemus that night. I call him Nick at night. Nicodemus didn't want to meet during the day. I call him Nick at night, meeting with Jesus. And then Jesus said this statement. Can you read it with me? Now, when Jesus talks about flesh, he's now not referring to our physical body. He's referring to that thing, the flesh is known as our sin. The flesh is the old nature that's inside of us. Remember King David said in Psalm, Surely I was sinful from the time my mother conceived me, from the time I was born. Paul says that we are sinful nature and the craving of sinful nature. When Jesus says flesh gives birth to flesh, he's talking about our old sinful nature. Our old sinful nature gives birth to our old sinful nature, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to the Holy Spirit. I think that's what Jesus was talking about when he was casting the seed into good soil. The Holy Spirit is being planted, a new spirit is being born in a person. But the flesh gives birth to flesh, the spirit gives birth to spirit. And so we need to be born again. Um, now, Nicodemus, I call him Nick at night, didn't understand this. I don't understand how this is going to work, going back to mom. No, need a spiritual rebirth, need to be given the spirit. And then Paul says this, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again, but you received the spirit of sonship. Friends in Christ, in our modern American world, many people would find it offensive if I call everyone a son. Why don't you just call us sons and daughters? Why don't we just, you know, some people find that offensive. But here, God's calling both men and women sons, and, and it's not to be disrespectful, but in that society... Sons had special rights and privileges that women didn't. And so when God calls us sons, he's saying for both men and women, you have these special blessings of inheritance and my name and my family and what I'm giving you. So by the Holy Spirit, you who are born dead in sin, you and I who are born dead in sin, were made alive by the Holy Spirit. And by our flesh, our sinful nature, we become slaves to our sinful nature. Have you ever met a person who says, no one's going to tell me what to do? You ever met a person like that? Chances are they live a really messed up life. No one's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to continue to do what I'm going to do, even though it's really bad for me, because I know it's best for me. Chances are they live a really messed up life. And so we can, we can become slaves to our sinful nature. Well, what are some of the things that enslave us? Well, there's selfishness. You know what selfishness is. I think about me first, and what? Then you. Now, matter of fact, I think about me first, and maybe you're number 18th or 19th on the list. I can only think about what's best for me, myself, and I. That's the false trinity. What's the middle letter in sin? Say it. What's the middle letter in pride? That's selfishness. How to be your own selfish person. I do what I want to do and forget everybody else. And then there is passions of the flesh. What are passions of the flesh? Well, those are things by our old sinful nature. So what is it? What sins do you and I sometimes have trouble with? Is it lust? Sexual sin? Now, no offense to anyone, I heard that Hollywood's on strike. I say, stay on strike. 
Um, matter of fact, I once said Hollywood is the moral polluters of, of the world. Sometimes very little comes out of Hollywood that's really redeeming or worthwhile. Please stay on strike. The writers are on strike. Please stay on strike until you can think of something more edifying to produce. Well, there's, there's lust. Um, there's also greed. I know what you're going to say with greed is. Greed is wanting more and more. Well, that, that's what most of you would say greed is, right? Somebody asked Andrew Carnegie, how much is enough? You know what Andrew Carnegie said? Always a what? A little more. Now, Martin Luther defines greed as this. Neglect of God and neighbor. I agree with Luther. You see, poor people, middle-income people, and wealthy people can all be greedy. Poor people can just be as greedy as wealthy people. Greed is neglect of God and neighbor from what I've been given. God commands us to love God and neighbor. Greed is withholding. These are all passions of the flesh. Or passion of the flesh is food and drink. Or lust or envy or greed. Or I want more and more for myself. These are all passions of the flesh. This is our sinful nature. And then finally, the last one, this is more difficult, it's apathy. You know what apathy is? I don't care. Apathy, I don't think about it. Apathy, in many ways, we can call greed. Apathy is neglect. A Midwesterner's way of, of apathy is saying, yeah, whatever. A Midwesterner's way of apathy is saying, I just won't show up. I'm not going to argue with you, I just won't show up. That's apathy. And friends in Christ, these are all sins of our flesh. This is all our flesh. Selfishness, me, myself, and I, passions of the flesh, and apathy. I really just don't care. These are sins of the flesh. But then by the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, we hear this. By the Spirit, we are God's children. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering. That our bodies now themselves, that serve, that love, that love their neighbor, that aren't apathetic, but actually are engaged, and he gave himself a sacrifice to God. We share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Now I'm going to talk to you about your body and suffering. So we know about being ill. We know about people being ill. And we all know loved ones who have died in their body, in their flesh. You know, President James Madison, do you know who I'm referring to? He's on his deathbed. A friend came and visited him and said, President Madison, how are you doing? President Madison's on his deathbed, and President Madison said, I'm doing quite well. Actually, I'm doing really, really good, but I'm afraid that the house, that the body I have, it's not doing well. The roof is dilapidated, the walls are crumbling, the foundation is weakened, and I'm going to have to leave this, this building of mine, I'm going to leave this body of mine, but I'm going to go into a more and new and better and glorious body. Of course, President Madison was talking about his death and his eventual resurrection in Christ's body. You see, friends in Christ, we suffer that we also share in his glory. We share in his resurrection. Um, sometimes we, we think of death, and there's no doubt that death is an enemy. But for us believers, when a believer dies who's sick and ill, that, that's really the final cleansing. That's really the final newness. Why? Because a person who dies, their spirits with the Lord in peace, and they wait for the resurrection. When my mother died and she was ill and her body was falling apart, her death was the final victory over that disease. Death and disease no longer has a part in her. The same for us. So friends in Christ, God made us our body, which is good. It will be resurrected. And there's that flesh. Give away with the flesh. He gave us the spirit that we live in the spirit for that. So how about this for a closing thought? 
Find the body and soul there and wrap that together as the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Can we all read it together? Let us ever walk with Jesus, follow his example pure, flee the world which would deceive us, and to sin our souls allure. Ever in his footsteps tread, body here yet soul above, full of faith and hope and love. Let us be the Father's baby, faithful Lord of God and King, saving you and follow you. And all God's people say,